Koi kelles puk lod, koi puk bek puk. Jappo mappo jessu mi, se mappu me u. Mappu my long, a mappu ju, ne bejen mappu of wong ku. But my children's eljobish, my fabu my dim karak, but you talk to my dad, come and you talk, ma o. Hello everyone, this is Rico. Welcome to this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. This is going to be podcast 270, the all-Klingon show, or the Klingon cast with a K. And uh, I have an in-studio guest with me on this week's show. And it's Rick Pete. Yes, so there's two of us to talk all about Klingons throughout Star Trek history for you today. We're recording in uh, in rainy Rockford, Illinois right now on Saturday, but the podcast will be going out on Sunday, March 14th, 2010. Uh, so, Rich, are you, are you happy to be here recording for Treks in Sci-Fi? Um, this is an amazing, this is going to be an amazing experience. I, uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in front of, of Rico. I mean, I there's nothing better than that. I just got to say, nothing better than that. Uh, I'm blushing now. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad he's here because I've been kind of fighting a cold this past week a little bit. So I'm going to let him do uh, a good part of the talking on this week's show, talking all about the Klingons. You know, Rick and I, we met for lunch, uh, I don't know, a month or two back when I first started working over here. And we thought that uh, we would do a podcast like this together where we're both in the same room, not over Skype or anything like that. And uh, and he suggested he's a big fan of the Klingons, and, and I've never done a show about that. It was a great idea, a great subject. So uh, we're going to do that. And uh, he's got all kinds of uh, good information to impart to all of you. So just sit back, and uh, both of us, the, the Rick and Rick show, or the Rico and Rich, or, or the R&R show, we'll call it. <laughs> we'll be right back after uh, the opening little credit music. Stand by. brought over his uh, his iPhone and and fortunately there is an app for the Klingon language on there which I was just well maybe I really wasn't that surprised by that so can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about your your Klingon language app uh, rich on your iPhone okay everybody's listening is now is thoroughly understanding that I'm, I'm a total geek so um, there's <laughs> well, no, there's... <laughs> who isn't I mean come on isn't everyone these days so evidently at least it is in my house um, 
No, actually, I went looking for my conversational Klingon cassette tape from a long time ago. I couldn't find it, and I thought I wanted to bring this over for the podcast, so I went on iTunes, and unbelievably, there is an app for that. So if you search on Conversational Klingon, there's an app. It's like four bucks or something. So I downloaded it, and it took that whole program and converted it into a sort of a chapter-by-chapter teaching guide. Oh, okay. So you can can look up phrases and that kind of stuff, but it also goes into punctuation and grammar. I mean, it's like learning a real language. So when you're in your local Klingon restaurant, you can order gach. And, oh. and, and whatever else, or you know, be able to pronounce the menu. And- oh, absolutely! They tell you they they give they give you all kinds of phrases. They'll say, "Well, suppose you're visiting Kronos and you want to go out and tour the tour, you know, the sacred places." Yeah. And then they give you a whole conversation between two people in Klingon, and then they translate it. But they give that way they give you the phrases you need. And uh, the first thing I learned was. There's no such thing as, there are no words like, hello, good morning, how you doing, anything like that when you greet a Klingon. There's only one greeting, and it's... Stab the guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> it actually is... Nuch-nech. Nuch-nach. Nech. Nech. Which actually translates to, what do you want? Oh, okay. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense, so... But there's all kind, you know, how to go to the bathroom. I mean, everything's in there. Pronouns. Yeah. It's it's a very cool app. So if you're interested in Klingon, it that's, is the app to have. That's great. Well, as you guys can hear, we're we're diving right into the Klingon talk uh, and everything for this week's Treks and Sci-Fi. We have picked out a lot of different episodes from all the different Trek series, even a little bit from the movies to talk about, and and are, are pretty much trying to, I guess, Rich give people a good overview of the Klingons and the culture and probably the, you know, the biggest sort of alien race or alien species in Star Trek lore and history that's been explored. Uh, and, and we've learned a lot, you know, over the years from, from the different shows and things. And it, I think it's, it's definitely time to do a Klingon podcast. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I, you know, I'm Trek way back and, uh, Sometimes I think it's way too far back. but um, Yeah, you know, I know how you feel sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and when I, we, I was looking at, thinking about doing the podcast and trying to do a little bit of research, and when I think of the first, the original series, and you think of who was the main villain, and you think it was the Klingons. But when you really go back and you look at the original series, there really weren't that many episodes that had Klingons in it. Right, not in the original, right? Not in, not the, not original. in the original series. It was just a few, and it, but it was it made you know a pretty lasting impression though. Even though they didn't even look like the the Klingons of the we'll call it the more more recent or the more modern Trek series, you know they they looked like you know Fu Manchu guys or whatever, and uh, <laughs> and we're going to get to that. Yes, we're going to talk about that. We will. We will definitely try to do our best to explain that whole thing, even though the Klingons. What did Worf say? He doesn't like to talk about it. We do not speak of it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Even amongst ourselves. Yes. <laughs> so we will be covering that on, on the podcast today. So, yeah, it's it's uh, show 270. You know, I, I, I think this is it. This is the last Treks in Sci-Fi. See ya. <laughs> it's, uh, no, no, maybe 300. What do you think, Rich? I mean, I don't know. I just, hey, all I'm saying, 300 better be totally rocking. <laughs> 
I mean, 300 It's going to be huge. a minute long. It's just going to be like uh, uh, two seconds of each show up until that point. Ooh, that's a good idea. Because they do that after you have it. Like a TV show is on long enough. They do like the clip show where it's basically a, a way to do, you know, I think it gives the actors a week off and then they get to save some money. So it's nothing but just past clips of old shows. Okay, but I, now, now let's think about this. You're talking about... <laughs> 300 episodes of Treks and Sci-Fi. If we were to do About a clip show... An hour, hour and a half each, so whatever that is, yeah. Well, even if we did a minute each, 300 minutes... Yes, that's right. You're right. A minute a minute for each, yeah. That's that would, a long show, my friend. Yeah. Okay, maybe not a clip show. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe another Maybe another in-studio guest show. We'll see. So uh, I think, uh, you know, we're not going to dilly-dally too long. Klingons would never say dilly-dally, right? What would they say? I don't know. They, you know, I don't think there's a word in my dictionary. Today is a good day to podcast. That's what they say, <laughs> right? But, uh, yeah, what, what we're going to try to do is just kind of run through the episodes uh, more or less as the series came out. Even though Enterprise, of course, was a prequel series and set before the original Trek, uh, we are going to be covering that one last. So we'll, we, you know, we'll start with TOS, the original series, work our way up through that, a little bit in the movies, uh, especially the un- undiscovered country, and then up through TNG, uh, D- Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and then finally Enterprise. But first, I think um, Rich is going to give us a little bit of, of history on the Klingons. Just you know, kind of like I'll call it like uh, you know Klingon 101, and give you some background on on the on the Klingons and their home world and and all that. So go ahead, Rick, and I'll I'll sip some of my uh, fruit punch Gatorade here. Very good. All right. Well, yeah, well, this is the uh, Klingon, the Klingon Empire, the 30,000-foot view. Um, doing some research, I guess the first thing that you need to know about the Klingon Empire was that it wasn't an empire until Kalos the Unforgettable actually rallied all of the Klingon peoples together under one type of governmental structure that was loosely based on a caste system. There was a warrior caste. There were, there were various castes. Over the years, however, they became more and more focused on the warrior aspects of, of their culture. So who, does the, who gets their food then when they have... I've always wondered, like, well, I guess they go out and kill it all. So I guess that's still a warrior job, right? Right. They kill the food. They, don't, they do not ruin food by cooking it. Yes. Well, that would be... They like it alive and kind of wriggling a little bit. That's right. right. Yeah. So, although they did show in the Sword of Kalos, they did show them cooking. That's the one little thing that they killed. But yeah, you know, we we, we won't we won't focus on those inconsistencies. They weren't sure what that was, so they had to, <laughs> they had to make sure it didn't have any bugs in it that they didn't want to get in their systems. You know, or maybe they're just being nice to uh, Jedzia since she's not really Klingon. Yeah, so. exactly. But um, Kalos was was their main leader. And, you know, in as much as in Vulcan, you have Surak was sort of the founder of Vulcan philosophy. Kalos was really the founder of their warrior caste philosophy and rallied the entire, you know, all the planets in their, in their system around that philosophy. Uh-huh. And it turned out that the sword of Kalos, which is another, which is an episode actually of DS9 became a very revered symbol of his reign um, as the first, you know, I guess he'd be considered the first emperor yeah, of, I think so. right. uh, of the Klingon Empire. Right. So, but the real key piece about this whole thing with the Klingons is that they are, their whole culture is based on a warrior motif. 
So, you know, the whole idea behind them in this warrior motif is the main maintenance and building up of their personal honor. Right. You know, they're very much a, in, in some ways, I would even consider them a feudal society. They have houses, just like in the Middle Ages, you know, we would have houses, um, sort and of fiefdoms like, and that type of thing. It's sort of like a little bit like Asian society, a little at least on Earth, where honor is very important and it gets passed on from one generation to another as well. As does their dishonor. Right, as, exactly, which we've seen Worf go pretty much, you know, from, from one, one, to one extreme to the other. Exactly, right, right. So that that is a key part of everything that they do. I mean, most of what they do is measured against their honor. What makes sense to do is it always has to be something that will maintain, sustain, or increase their their personal honor or the honor of their house. Um, and I, it, it's very intriguing to me to see that kind of culture for both male and female. Mm-hmm. You know, you would think that in a warrior cast, females would be, you know, at home, you know, like Ferengi, home naked. But yeah. no, in, in the Klingon society, females are pretty much equal to males if they have the physical prowess to come back, to compete and stand alongside males inside. Yeah, they, they've, yeah, they definitely have shown that. Although, I think in the earlier days of... I mean, even in TOS, there were some female Klingons, especially in the episode, uh, like, Day of the Dove, there was Kang and his wife, Mara, I think, that shows up on the Enterprise. But it it definitely came out in the later series where the women were, you know, could be, uh, you know, go toe-to-toe with the guys in terms of being a warrior and and honor and all that in in their various houses, and they were... We're not certainly like the Ferengi. Yeah, that's that's the other extreme of it, where the women were like dumb and home naked or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, they uh, they definitely, especially they they showed us some very strong Klingon women over the over the various series. Which you know, one of the things that Star Trek gets dinged on by non uh, non fans. Is especially in the original series, was mm-hmm. that women, you know, they all had to wear the mini skirts and there was lots of skin exposed. Yeah. You know, and so it got a bad rap. But when you look at how the Klingon. And that never Empire, happens now on sci fi. Of course with not. Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> you know, robot women Cylons and stuff, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I know what you mean, right? It's, it's, uh, Klingons were, were, were sort of a little bit of an exception. And, uh, and that was a kind of a good thing, too. Yeah, I mean, even even to the extent of Ursula and Bator, you know, even though they were trying to make a play for the nice control, costumes on them, yeah, yeah, yeah nice <laughs> costumes. Um, but even though they were, you know, trying to get their you know, their son to be the head of the council, everybody understood what that meant. They yeah. understood that those women would be, you know, his advisors, and they would pretty much be ruling. Um, the the council had he been picked, yeah, and I think they were pretty, they were okay with that. They were pretty feared too. I mean, you know, don't you know, women, you know, even women Klingons or women human, you know, don't mess with them because they're 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 just as tough sometimes, you know, and physically, not you know, not just you know with their brain power or whatever else too. You know, it's just uh, there there were some you know good episodes that showed that, and that was kind of nice to see. Well, in the one episode with uh, I believe it was in. Uh, Redemption, um, when uh, no, no, sins of the father, mm-hmm. when Worf had to go back and um, counter the claims against his father being a traitor, right? 
you know, who saves Picard at the end of that in that fight when they were in the South Sector? It right. was Kalest. This woman yeah. who was like, you know, eighty years old or something like that. Right. You know, kills, you know, a Klingon warrior. Yeah. And and saves Picard in the process. So these women are not to be trifled with. Yes, definitely. And uh and that's uh you know, we'll we'll be talking more about the the history as we go through the, the podcast, but just to give you some, you know, you know, most of the people probably listening to the show know some of that, but you know, it it really sets the stage for for their whole their 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 way of living, you know, they're they're almost I've always thought they were very Spartan too in terms of, you know, they they wouldn't have a lot of extravagant things. They don't spend a lot of time, you know, primping in front of the mirror. Everyone kind of joked about Worf, you know, that he got tougher when he put his hair back in a little ponytail on D, on uh, not Deep Space Nine, but on TNG, right? So, uh, you know, he just kind of looked cooler, he looked more, you know, that was kind of samurai like for yeah. for him and. Uh, but uh, but I think now we're going to spin off into talking uh, about the episodes as we go through. And what we tried to do uh, be- between both of us is uh, pick out what we thought were maybe the good. And, and there's so many. It, it's very hard. And I always try to preface this when I do these shows to say, you know, there's so many episodes of, of Trek out there that have Klingons as a, as a heavy part of the episode. We, we, we tried to pick the highlights, episodes that we enjoyed and things that were kind of important in, in Klingon lore and history. And a lot of them, of course, revolve around Worf in the later series because he was such a prominent Klingon and, uh, and part of the cast of both TNG and Deep Space Nine. So what we're going to do, like I said earlier, is we're going to start with uh, the original series since that's where we first get a glimpse of the Klingons in the first season episode, Errand of Mercy. And in this episode, basically... War has started, war between the Federation and the Klingons, and uh, this is the first time we get to see this adversary on this planet Organia, and what happens is Kirk is there along with Spock, kind of undercover, and they are then kind of caught in the middle of the situation when the Klingons come down to the planet, and they try to conquer and take over that world, and it's kind of a strategic point in the, in, you know, the whole war between the Federation and the Klingons at that point. And we're going to play now a clip from that episode and to give you a little bit of feel for uh, Errand of Mercy. Where is your smile? Now what? The stupid, idiotic smile everyone else seems to be wearing. A Vulcan. Do you also have a tongue? I am Spock. A dealer in Kivas and Trillium. You do not look like a storekeeper. Take this man. Vulcans are members of the Federation. He may be a spy. He's no spy. Well, have we a ram among the sheep? You object to us taking him? He's done nothing. Nothing at all. Coming from an Organian, yours is practically an act of rebellion. Very good. So you welcome me. You also welcome me. You're here. There's nothing I can do about it. Good, honest hatred. Very refreshing. However, it makes no difference whether you welcome me or not. I am here and I will stay. You are now subjects of the Klingon Empire. 
Yeah, so there we get to see a Klingon for the first time. And, of course, in the original series, they don't look like the Klingons of TNG. Or, uh, and Like we said earlier, we're going to talk about that later. But let's just say uh, 1960s budget, this was the best they could do and make him kind of look like these swarthy, almost Asian, uh, evil guys. I don't know why... I guess in the 60s, this, this look looked evil to people for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. And I like that part, Rich, but with the, um, you know, you do this, you die. You do that, you die. That's the, they had their one answer, and it's kind of nice. You know, they're kind of almost like, you know, Sith, if you, you know, absolute. Like, you spit on the street, you die. You die. <laughs> <laughs> you, you kick a can, you die. You know, it's whatever. And, you know, this, 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 in this particular episode, you know, you really get a sense that, you know, talk about a, you know, a labor camp environment, you know, a, a, a war, what's the right, you know, I'm thinking like martial law type of right. of lifestyle, yeah. you know, that yeah, everything's absolutes, everything's, you know, you either do this or, you know, something bad's going to happen to you. Like, you know, Cor was telling the Organians, you know, if one Klingon dies, a thousand Organians will be executed. Yeah, they don't mess around, really. And there's sort of a little bit, you can kind of admire that to a, to a degree, I think, especially these days uh, on a completely uh, 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 side thing. I watched this movie last night. I watched, uh, uh, oh, God, the name of it's escaping me or whatever. It's that one with Gerard Butler, Law Abiding Citizen. Oh, from a okay. few months ago, and basically, I'm not going to segue off too much, but but he, he he has a family, and something happens bad to them, and then one of the guys gets off through the legal system, and so I just thought I that just popped into my mind because he sort of goes on a little bit of a a rampage, almost like a Klingon situation where their honor, his honor, and his, his family honor abused, yeah. yeah, and and the the legal system just lets them get away, and he doesn't really want to stand for that, and there there's something kind of you know, honorable in a way about that whole thing where nowadays, it's, uh, you know, you, you seem to hear a lot about people sort of wriggling out of the system. And in Argania, when the Klingons invaded there, there was no wriggling out of the system. Although, of course, they were super powerful alien beings, which we learned towards the end of the episode. Well, yeah, what did Kirk say? They raided the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're going to play one more clip here from the end of this episode and the good thing the interesting thing here is there's a there's a very important thing that happens in the end of Errand of Mercy that sets the stage for what later comes in uh, the next generation era so listen to this war has its fortunes good and bad do you know why we are so strong because we are a unit each of us is part of the greater whole always under surveillance even a commander like myself, always under surveillance, Captain. If you will note. Come on, Spock! Shoot! Shoot! Oh! Ah! Oh! What is this, Spock? Explicable, Captain. Extreme heat. Not only the weapons, but the bodies as well. talking about we have put a stop to your violence you are stopping us you all instruments of violence on this planet now radiate a temperature of 350 degrees they are inoperative my fleet the same conditions exist 
on both the star fleets, there will be no battle. Ridiculous. I suggest you contact them. You too, Captain. Your ship is now within range of your communications device. Director Enterprise, come in. Captain, I can't explain it. We were just closing in on the Klingon fleet when every control on our ship became too hot to handle. Okay, so there, you know, you, we learn the Organians are, are, are not just these simple, like, you know, sheep herders and farmers. They, they're powerful enough to stop the whole Klingon fleet, the Federation, you know, the Starfleet, they're all frozen. And, you know, they they make the comment later there about in the future, you know, the Klingons and the, and the Federation you'll will be become... fast friends. Yes, you'll be fast friends. You'll begin to work together. Never! Yeah, and, and that just, uh, it really sets the stage later for Worf becoming, a Klingon becoming a member of Starfleet and, and, and being a, a member of the crew on the Enterprise, so. You know, it's interesting, um... I remember when I watched that for the first time, and I thought, wow, the Organians, you know, as I stand here, I'm standing on Earth, I'm standing, you know, in the heart of the Klingon Empire, and then I'm thinking, that's that's huge, that's like godlike, and then yeah. we get it's Next like, Generation, like, and they like open up Q. with Q, right? and it, it really surprised me that never are the Organians ever compared to Q in Next Generation. It's like they've forgotten all about or the Organians. And why don't the Q ever talk about the Organians? Or have the Organians moved up the ladder again and now they... Yeah, they well, they actually... Well, they they I can't think, be the Q because the Q's too mischievous. And somebody out there who, who's listening to the podcast who, who who's more up on the novels, and I, I actually think I've read this, but I think there have been a, at least one novel, and I can't remember the title, where they actually did connect... A little bit of that. I mean, they've had throughout Trek history. There's been a good handful of super-powered beings that were on that kind of level. Organians, the the Metrons, the, Metrons, yep. the Q, and, and the the ones from uh, Square of Gothos, whatever you want to call them. Oh, the Trelane, yeah, Trelane and his parents. But but that they've tried to connect them. They've they've almost always and they, even um, uh, Charlie X. And who who saved him and everything from right. the original series. So anyway, there's there's a whole bunch of them super powered, you know, almost godlike beings out there in Trek lore. Whether they all know each other, maybe they have lunch. Who knows? <laughs> I, I don't know. There were quite a few other episodes in in the original series. Well, not quite a few. It really was fairly limited. But trouble with Tribbles we had with Klingons involved. Of course, the Tribbles don't like Klingons. <laughs> but they like Vulcans, but, you know. <laughs> and, and then we had Day of the Dove, which was an interesting episode. There we get to see Kang, and we get to see his, his his wife, who's a member of his crew. And they come aboard the Enterprise, and they have to sort of lay down their arms and stop fighting. Right, Rich? They they're just they're 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 at war with each other on the ship, and there's this entity that likes that and it feeds off that hatred. Yeah. Um, what was the name of that? Day of the Dove. Day of the Dove. Yeah, yeah. I like the part at the end where they're all laughing at each. They're all laughing and patting each other on the back yeah, then, in, in the in, in the uh, in the engine room. Yeah, in engineering. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. And then the little thing just sort of flits off into space. But which the, you know, and, and that's one of the things about Star Trek. I wish they wouldn't do a lot of these things. Flit off into space, and you never hear about them <laughs> again. Like in TNG, when yeah. the Enterprise built, they actually created that being. And then once it was in, in in the cargo bay, and once they once that beam sort of being 
became with, alive. Right. It's the one with the run-around particles and all that. Yeah. And then it just... Goes out there. Down to space, and we never hear about it again, you know? <laughs> well, space is big, you know? Oh, I guess that's true. I always... You know, back when I used to try to write my own little episodes and stuff, I, I used to want to have episodes that would pick up on things that happened in... Like, you know, again, a completely, and I, I got to stop going off on tangents of this episode. This podcast is going to be three hours long. But remember the episode um, where they're sped up in the original series? What's Which one's that called? Why am I blanking on the name of it? Oh, that was the one with the Kelvins. No, no, not the, no? Not the Kelvins from the Andromeda Galaxy and all that. The ones where they would move so fast. And Kirk gets drinks a little bit of the water, the Scalosian water, and they could move so fast they they, they were undetectable. Oh, 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 but why oh. am I blanking on the name of the episode? We'll look for that name when, at the next clip. Wasn't that the one where they were trying to where they were, he hooked the up girl, the device with the you know he hooks up with the girl? Oh 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 oh! Kirk gets the girl, of course, the alien woman. But my point about that one was, yeah, is I always yeah. said there'd be a cool episode where they would take that water and use it to to enhance like a crew of a starship to allow them to react faster but, well like like yeah like spock did he fixed the enterprise right in no time at all right of course if you take a little scratch when you're sped up you, die. you die you die <laughs> if you steal some bread you die Kapla. <laughs> all right well right now we're going to take uh we'll, we'll play a clip we're going to skip over the animated series i think we decided there are a couple episodes the time trap more tribbles more troubles uh, from that, but uh, we we had to kind of cut some things for time, so that's one thing. Uh, the go ahead, were you going to say did something? Rich? Well, what, did we want to talk? Are we going to do the same thing with tribbles? Trouble with tribbles? Oh no, I that? mentioned that already. If you wanted to, do you want to say something about trouble with tribbles from the original series? We're we're not going to play a clip. We're not going to play a clip for it. Okay, but I, right. I was talking about the, uh, you know how the tribbles don't like Klingons, but they right, like right, Vulcans. Right, right, right. And, right. Okay. All right, we're all together. Anyway, the uh, the next thing, though, I think on our hit list here that we want to cover is the movie, the biggest probably Klingon of the feature films, The Undiscovered Country. And here is a clip from early in that uh, movie talking about uh, or with Spock and Kirk. And uh, Spock has just told Kirk the good news that he gets to go out and meet the Klingons to start this little peace treaty thing. You will extend Chancellor Gorkin full diplomatic courtesy. But a full ambassador would be better equipped. If there's no further business, I wish you and your crew Godspeed. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I remind you, this meeting is classified. I don't know whether to congratulate you or not, Jim. I wouldn't. We volunteered. There is an old Vulcan proverb. Only Nixon could go to China. How could you vouch for me? That's arrogant presumption. My father requested that I open negotiations. I know your father's the Vulcan ambassador, for heaven's sake. But you know how I feel about this. They're animals, Jim. There is an historic opportunity here. Don't believe them. Don't trust them. They are dying. Let them die. Has it occurred to you that this crew is due to stand down in three months? We've done our bit for king and country. You should have trusted me. Yes, let them die. Kirk is uh, a 
bigot. <laughs> well, I don't know. I he's get a little the, prejudiced. I, I cut the guy some slack because yeah. you know, they killed his son. So true. He's got a, a legitimate. A son he met for about five minutes, but you know, no, I, it's well. He's had a lot of run-ins with the Klingons over the years too. Besides his son, so yeah. he, he's he's learned to not really trust them with with good reason usually. And uh, I mean, I liked it for the fact that Kirk looks not quite as you know noble. noble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect word. I mean, he doesn't look like the big hero noble guy that you usually see, and you get to see him a little bit, uh, you know, with some faults. Yeah. Well, it's his personal log, and yeah. Yeah, of course, until it turns up for evidence in the in the trial, right? <laughs> so uh, how they get that, hmm, I don't know. But And now we're going to play one other clip uh, from this episode. Uh, just Actually, I think I've got two other ones, but we're going to just play one. And this is from uh, the, the log that you were just talking about, about Kirk and his opinion of the Klingons. Captain's log, star date 9522.6. I've never trusted Klingons. And I never will. I can never forgive them for the death of my boy. Seems to me our mission to escort the Chancellor of the Klingon High Council to a peace summit is problematic at best. Spock says this could be an historic occasion, and I'd like to believe him. How on earth can history get past people like me? Yeah, so you you know that's a perfect way of setting things up. Kirk doesn't like the Klingons; he doesn't trust them. And uh, but the, the the nice thing I really love about the undiscovered country is is by the end of the of the movie, he he changes that. He's trying to change. He's trying to you know make a difference and and sets the stage for for the Klingons and, and the Federation becoming friends and being being able to work together. Yeah, and I, you know, to be and to be honest, I would think that, you know, movies always have to wrap things up. Yeah. But with all the all the issues that Kirk has had with the Klingons, that's kind of a fast resolution to get to that more enlightened place. Um, yeah. But no, I think I, I think you're right. I think that this, and it, you know, you had to get there. You had really yeah. you had to get there because this is a stepping stone for TNG to get to that place where Klingons, yeah. you know, can serve. Even though, you know, Worf said in the one episode in TNG where, you know, I'm the only Klingon who's ever asked to serve in, in the Federation. Yeah. Well, they, uh, you know, the thing, yeah, I agree with you. The, uh, at least though, what he, what I think with Kirk in that, ep- in the movie, what happens is he sees these extremist humans like Cartwright who are willing to kill you know, the the Klingons that are there trying to make peace. And Kirk might not like them, may not really trust them, but he won't go, he won't become what they are. He won't right. go that far. He still has a personal set of ethics and yes. honor that he needs to live by. Yes, exactly. So, and I think that sort of slaps him in the face and realizes, boy, I don't want to be like that. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, but yeah, he 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 would always be a little leery of it. I think would he would he let his daughter marry one? It's <laughs> like yeah, if he uh, had one. Yes. Does Kirk have a daughter? I don't know. Well, he's had enough girls. So <laughs> I, I mean, only have one son out of all that. I don't know. That seems unlikely. But if he has a daughter, it's probably not on Earth. <laughs> Kirk, the Tiger Woods of the galaxy. <laughs> oh, you did not go there. <laughs> ah, I, hey, I can edit. I, I can edit. I'm so sorry. 
Okay. Um, All right. We are now going to uh, slip into uh, TNG and Worf, of course. We've got to talk about, you know, that probably the biggest surprise for all of us, you know, old Star Trek fans was when, you know, TNG started and all of a sudden, like in one of the early, you know, scenes part of the episode, you know, you see this Klingon right on the bridge of the Enterprise. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, that's a big thing. You know, now who's the bad guys? Oh, the Ferengi. Oh, that didn't work out too good. Well, eventually (laughs) we got the Borg, so they they saved things then. But uh, yeah, they, you know, Gene Roddenberry took just that little bit from Aaron of Mercy and then said, hey, you know, what better way to show that the future is getting better and they're trying to work towards peace and, and that you make your enemy, you know, your friend your eventually. Friend, yeah. Yes. And then, of course, they have to have a bigger, newer enemy, but that's that's a whole other, uh, whole other thing. So we are going to start uh, with a clip from The Icarus Factor. And why don't you give us a little bit of lowdown on this episode, uh, Rich? Okay, um, actually the episode is primarily focused on Riker. It's really a Riker episode. Yes. Um, when yes. he actually gets offered the command of the Ares. The one of many times he gets offered the <laughs> captaincy and doesn't Here, do step up. Do you want a ship? No. Do you want a ship? No. Okay. So, yeah, that, we, that's, a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. Yes. That's, but uh, um, The Riker afraid of, of, of getting, getting one in more the big little, chair. Yeah, getting in the big chair, one more pip. So, I, you know... But the side story, the second story to this is Worf is in a bad mood. And normally, you know, when you talk to a Klingon. When there's a Klingon in a bad mood, that's a bad Yeah, you just stay away, you know. So, you know, know, Wesley Crusher goes and talks to him, and he's like, just, you know, leave me alone. You know, I don't want to deal with this. I don't have time for this. He's going through his own little uh, amok time. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put that. Yes. You know, and then it was really funny, you know, Data goes up to him, and Data's like, you know, we're your friends, and you know, if there's anything wrong, you know, and he says, uh, sir, um, be gone, sir. Be gone, yes. <laughs> but he did say sir at the end. Worf can say a lot with just a few words. That's what's great about you know him and as, as a Klingon. With all due respect, sir. Yes. So. I am not to marry man. Yeah. <laughs> Different episode. Yes, yes. But, um, so they're trying to figure out what it is. Wesley Crusher actually goes to the cultural database figures out that this is the 10-year anniversary of his Rite of Ascension, which is basically like the bar mitzvah. Yes, for the Klingon bar mitzvah. The Klingon bar mitzvah where he becomes a man. Yes. And he's supposed to celebrate that anniversary with his friends oh. and whatnot and recognize that. And obviously there are no Klingons on the ship. His family, you know, his parents are are dead. So Right, he's got his adoptive parents, but but he he's looking for Klingon, other Klingon warriors that can... You they know, can appreciate celebrate. what this is what this is about. Right, what it and means. there's just humans and androids and a little kid, you know, or whatever, and he's got nobody. So, so Wesley and Data get together and they figure out how to make this ascension ceremony and recreate it on the holodeck. And so they meet on the holodeck and they get Troy to bring Worf. And Worf's standing at the door and he's like, "You're not coming in." And she's like, "No, I don't think so." So he goes in and he sees the whole wire ascension, and this is where the clip starts. Dajaja. So wiki. Chi. Mikwich. So hong nis. Ik. Big tick tock. Bijaj. Today, I am a warrior. I must show you my heart. I travel the river of blood. 
So there they get to they get to beat up Worf or zap him with those those little pain sticks, right? You yeah. Know? Now see, if parents had pain sticks, we would not have any discipline problems at all. See? <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the Klingon bar mitzvah. Zap. Ah, you know. Ah. I wonder if they get money after that. I don't know. That, that's probably not appropriate. Probably not. Probably no money. Just a lot of scars. So. But uh, you know it was good. That, I think that allowed them to show, and, and that Worf learned that he that he does have, you know, people that that are his friends and his comrades aboard the Enterprise, and that kind of changed things for him a little bit from then on. Yeah. So. So it was a cool episode. You know, I like yeah. the, and you know, you got so you got Worf's family and sort of re he's sort of in a way, sort of establishing that relationship. That yeah. This Enterprise yeah. is his family. Yeah. In the same way. Right, you know, Riker and his father in this same episode are reestablishing their yeah. relationship. So yeah, they, they did that a lot on TNG. They tried to create that sort of like dual kind of thing going on, similar but different. Yeah. Know. Um, you know, usually like an A and B story, they would call it. Okay, next up, we're going to uh, talk about uh, a big Klingon episode, Sins of the Father. And uh, this, you know, we get a lot of information about Worf, his family. Just a lot of cool stuff, basically, in this episode, right? Well, yeah, this is really the first time that Worf really is connected to the Klingon Empire. Yes, yes. You know, all of a sudden, you know, we find out that he has to come and answer for the sins of his father, where they're, where they're accusing him of being a traitor. And sympathizing and helping out the Rhinelands. So. Right. And that, you know, you kind of learn that, that that whole thing about the honor of your family, it also works the other way. If your family's got a little problem or a suspicion of something, you know, it's not like the, you know, in society, like say in the United States or in most countries, if your brother commits a crime, it doesn't affect you in any way, really, basically. Yeah, but with Klingons, really. you know, if your father was considered to be a traitor, then and so are you. And, yes, and, you, know. you all are bad. You're all bad. You're you're dishonorable. We can't trust you. You're not. You, we we don't. You know, we shun you and all that. So yeah. that's that's pretty. You know, that's pretty big deal, really. 
in, in Wharf, we learned. And now and, we learned he has a brother. Yes, Kern. Kern, which is cool. Played and, by uh, Tony Todd. Tony Todd, who's played lots of different uh, yes. characters in Trek. We were talking about him earlier a little bit. He's a he's actually a stage actor. You said he yeah. he's, he's done a lot of stuff. Classically yeah. trained. He hasn't just done Pumpkinhead movies. And <laughs> so no, it's been it's it. I really like this episode because I episodes where you really get a better sense of a character. Yes. You know, you expand into their families and their backstory. I really enjoy. So mm-hmm. for him to not know he had a brother and to have that realization, so there's that joy in finding out he's got a brother, and then there's the the, the, and then the, the sad part of, oh, and you're being we're all being called traitors. You're going to have to come and, and answer to that. But, you know, Worf steps up, and the first thing he's like, I am the older brother. You will do what I tell you to do, you know, Mr. <laughs> yeah. Chadich. And then, yeah. you know, and they go back and they, and they you know, they go back and, uh, and, and, and you, you know, got, address the claim. You've got a clip, right, from this where it's basically Worf and, and his brother talking, right? Yeah. He, uh, Kern comes on and it's sort of that the opposite of that Klingon exchange they'd had before. Right. In the earlier episode. Now they have a Klingon coming on the Enterprise and we find out in this clip because Worf is a little irked at the guy, like, you know, why are you dishonoring me? Yeah, what's your deal? What's your problem with me? All right, okay, so here's the clip from Sins of the Father. Permission to speak freely, sir. For what purpose? I have questions I wish to pose. Are your quarters so comfortable? They serve me. This entire ship seems built on comfort. Relaxation, being at ease. It is not the ship of a warrior, not the ship of a Klingon. You cannot ask these questions within the boundaries of protocol. They are of a personal nature, sir. Permission granted. Pose your question. I wish to know if I have given you offense. I am not human. If you had given offense, you would not need to ask. Perhaps I have not performed my duties to your satisfaction. I find you to be a capable Starfleet officer. A credit to your ship. Yet you dishonor me at every opportunity. Yeah, so that you know, we, we learn a lot there about you know what's going on between the two of these between between Kern and and Worf and uh, you know it, it's sibling rivalry a little bit, not just the Klingon issue too. So yeah, I mean this and this sets the stage. So at this point, we know you know Worf you know Worf asks Picard, you know, can we go to Kronos? Can I right? You know, can I defend my honor? And they go, and it doesn't take too long before Kern gets injured. You know, yeah. defending uh, Worf as his Chadich. Yes. Like, who's judge be judge and all that cool Klingon stuff. All right, stop playing with your app on your iPhone. <laughs> He's just doing this from memory, so. Um, so it's, you know, I, it's it's cool. And I really like the scene. I don't think we have a clip for it, but I really like the scene where Picard is asked by Worf to be his Chadich yes, once yeah. Kern is injured. And, think- the, and the cool thing about it is that Picard already knows 
the traditional response. Yes. He doesn't have to look it up on his computer. No. He doesn't pull out his it. little tricorder to find out the or whatever. dude yeah. is, I mean, Picard just rocks. You got to like it. Yep. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's done that much research in Klingon culture. He knows this. That's, well, he, he's a awesome. bit of a, you know, that that's one of his strengths is he, he, he knows all their other cultures really well. And it, it, it's always helped him a lot. So, uh but uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna move on to uh, another very big Klingon episode, a very big Worf episode, reunion, where uh, Worf gets to meet the old girlfriend, basically, right, Kalar. Yep, he meets Kalar. Um, he had met her before in the episode, I believe, called the Emissary. Yes, and uh, but now she's back again. She's with, back with. Uh, Alexander. <laughs> yes, with a little surprise for Worf, yes. <laughs> a little ankle biter, I think, is, uh, yes. as Tim and Tim likes to call it. Well, he was, kid. how old is he supposed to be around at that time? He's he's uh, like five or six, must maybe, be, or yeah, so. Yeah, he must be like five or six, because yeah. it looks like he was in the kindergarten yeah. playroom on the Enterprise. Right, okay, and uh, well, we've got a clip from this one, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, this clip, this is when um, Kim Peck asks Picard, or actually kind of tells Picard, yes. that he's going to be the arbiter of succession for the Klingon Empire. The biggest Klingon ever, well, maybe on, on, on any Trek series, Kim Peck, right? He's, he, Kim Peck, he's, he's still he, fat. He's, he's big. <laughs> he's a big boy. So here's the clip from uh, Reunion. I need your help. The Enterprise Medical Facility can't do anything to help. Too late. For some months, I have been poisoned with small doses of Rudian 6, the wine. There is no cure. <laughs> what do you want of me? After I die, you will act in my name to arbitrate the struggle for power. I will. No one on the council can be trusted. And I have my reasons for wanting an outsider. Kempik, you cannot possibly be serious. A Federation officer has no business in... Nonsense. You are an accomplished mediator. This is no different than any other dispute. All right, so Picard here, who we've slowly been learning, is pretty up on his Klingon uh, culture and lore and everything, has become sort of the arbiter, the executor here to help uh, decide the, you know, some future Klingon, you know, the the leader, basically, right? The Yeah, the, the chancellor of the chancellor. council. Yes, chancellor. You know, and I thought it was interesting. I mean, Kempex... Kempek may be old and fat, but he's not stupid. No, no, you know? he, he he picked the right the right guy. I mean, he knew that it was. Uh, it, well, it, it sort of reminds me a little bit of a muck time when uh, Tapring has to pick a champion, and yeah. she pulls something completely out of left field. You know, here he picks a human. You know, this captain aboard a, a Starfleet ship rather than a Klingon, which would show favoritism or so. You know, a problem. You pick somebody sort of neutral. So, yeah, he, he knows what he's doing when he picks Picard here. Yeah, because, you know, and he says, he says you know, hey, if I'd asked you, you would have said no. So I yeah. didn't ask you, and I've already told the two contenders that you're it. That you're it. Yeah. You know, so, so and if so you, you do it, you can't dishonor 
yeah. our relationship with the Federation if you say no. Yeah, he kind of stuck him with it. It was like, I put your arm up for you. So, uh, all right, well, uh, we're going to move on, trying to, you know, we've got a lot still to cover, and we are going to. Well, I do want to, I just want to oh, say. Sorry, go ahead. Within Reunion, the other key things, obviously, you know, Worf re-hooks up with his, with his girl, with his girlfriend. Yep. You know, Duras kills her. Yes. And then Worf has an awesome battle fight with Duras and kills Duras right in front of Riker. It was awesome. Yes. And, I, you know, that, you know, I have to say, that's like the, the, the greatest thing. We talked about this before we really uh, officially started to record. The, the great thing I like about Worf's character is, and Klingons, for the most part in general, and I've always thought Worf is almost more the purest Klingons, even though he's always being tested and pushed that he's not as honorable and as good a Klingon, he, he sticks to what he believes in. No matter what happens, he, he gets tossed out of the Klingon, you know, they all turn their backs on him. He, he is now, he kills Duras, which he knows this could ruin his Starfleet career. I mean, he's basically murdered a guy, you know, and, but that's, that's his way, that's the Klingon way. He killed his, his woman, you're dead, you know, so. It's interesting, he only gets a reprimand. Yeah. You know, and I guess that's because since that is part of their culture, right? Then I guess the Federation can't necessarily kick him out because he was Which following is, his cultural yeah. you know, demands. It's a little bit of a tricky slope there, a little. Yeah. You know, I mean, in TV it would work. It wouldn't work like if somebody, you know, was was you know, hey, my culture is to run around, you know, naked in the streets or to kill people. Like if you were in the United States or something doing that, that's my culture. You can get away with certain things based on culture and religion and stuff like that, but there are limits to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like killing somebody. <laughs> oh yeah, our part of our culture. I forgot to tell you is like if uh, you know you make me mad enough, I can kill you, and it's it's okay in our culture. Yeah. Well, and even but, here, like you said earlier, you know, if you get the right lawyer, sometimes you can weasel out of something. Yeah, yeah. Know? So I kind of feel like Worf kind of weaseled out of... Temporary insanity. <laughs> you got the blood fever the going. The blood fever, all right. All right, so next up, what do we have next? Uh, we have... Uh, oh, we got to go. We got to go with redemption. We, redemption. We, we got to do the Klingon Civil War. I mean, that's not part of Klingon history, not what is. Yes, this is a, you know, it's a two-parter, TNG, huge Klingon episode. Um, where do you want to start with this? Or? Well, I guess the first thing I, the first thing that was interesting to, interesting to me was that it's Picard who tells Gowron that Worf accepted this commendation. Gowron yes. bought the lie that the council told the, the Klingon people. Right. So when he doesn't even know, so Kimpek never told him, and obviously the counselors never told him what the real deal was. Yes. So now Garon is even more ticked off at the Duras family. Yes. You know, with with, with regard to this. And he's got those eyes. Eye. Oh man. Warfire. Dude, those are his real eyes too. Those that's like <laughs> yeah. that's not a prosthetic. How do you get I've your seen, eyes to bug out I've like that? I've seen him in a, at conventions, you know, when he does that. He'll everyone in the audience, somebody in the audience will always ask him, let's we want to see the eyes, and he can just like peel his eyelids back. Somehow, <laughs> uh, it's crazy. That's bizarre, but yeah. So it starts off. This was a two-part. It was actually a season finale, and then right. you know, and then you know, continued into opening, season five. Right, first episode of five. Yeah, and uh, so I thought this was so cool. You know, they had to go back, and theoretically, you know, there's gonna, you know, as you know, as the writers' succession. You know, Picard still has this one duty to perform, and up here comes Son of Duras. 
I don't know. How, how come these Klingons don't know they have children? I, I'm trying <laughs> to figure, I can't figure this one out. Yeah. Um, so the son of Duran shows up and with Ursula and Bator, and now they want to stick a claim. So now, of course, Picard's going to figure this whole thing out. And in the meantime, we find out there's a whole Romulan side of this whole deal. Uh, of course, right. So they've, they've had sort of Romulan and the Klingons have sort of had, you know, at times been allies and at times been enemies. You know, they kind of go back and forth a little bit, even from the original series. So you never quite, you know, they're always there sort of behind the scenes. Something's going on, you know. But I like I like the whole Worf Kern thing, okay? Yeah. We're going to wait until Garan is almost defeated, and then we're going to offer him four squadrons in exchange for our honor back. Yeah. And I thought, man, okay, that's pretty Klingon. Yeah. I can, I, I yep. can deal with that. Yeah. So, so then, and that's exactly what happens. Goran, Goran's ship gets attacked, and here comes, at the last minute, Kern's ships show up. Worf is, you know, manage, you know is, is handling the battle. On Gawan's ship destroys one of the one of the one of the other birds of prey, and boom! At the end of this, we see him getting his honor back, and that's actually I think the clip that we have is just Gawan making that pronouncement, right? And know, we're going to play front of council. Yeah, we'll play that clip for you from uh, Redemption right now. I return your family honor. I give you back that which was wrongfully taken from you. Let your name be spoken once again. You are Worf, son of Mog. All right, so at this point, uh, you know, it goes back and forth a number of times, but Worf has got his, uh, his family's honor back, basically. And we were just talking while we were listening to that clip about, about Klingons and, and only having basically one name. Right, Rich? They, they just... Worf, Kern, Martok... You know, Duras, they, they, they are all just one names. Yeah, and I can't quite figure that out because we've only ever heard names, you know, Son of Mog and all of that. <coughs> but, right, yeah. You know, okay, Mog had a, had a large house and he was very honored. What about his dad? I mean, wasn't Mog the son of somebody else? Right. And well, you hear about these houses. Do they? Do they? Do, they, do these houses' names change? I think they do from generation to generation. I think eventually it would become, you know, Worf's house. Worf. Like, yeah, eventually once he's at a certain point in his life and has enough honor still and hasn't dishonored anyone or been outcast or whatever, then it becomes his house. Just kind of like you know, titles are passed on in you know regular society, you know, on Earth or whatever. Yeah, I just it was just interesting. Interesting to me thinking about, you know, at what point did these names change? I mean, Worf they is, have to, or else Worf is an old guy. I mean, he's an old guy, yeah. but I mean, he's he's not a kid anymore, right? And his a, dad's been dead a long time. Yeah, why hasn't it switched over to the house of Worf at this point? Maybe I think they maybe have to claim it a little bit too, possibly. You know right. what I mean? He he he's sort of always had sort of his own little life going on in the Federation and everything like that in Starfleet. So maybe maybe that's part of it. Yeah. You know, if you maybe you can get it when you're younger, if you sort of stake your claim and you go in and to the Klingon, you know, local commission office, and you say, "Hey, I want to change this from <laughs> Mog to Worf." To Worf, yeah. You know, do you have documentation? Yes, exactly. You got to show them three pieces of ID: Klingon Mastercard and uh, stuff. <laughs> Did you just say Klingon? Mastercard? Kling card, my Kling card. 
Charge it. Kablah. All right. So, next up, we're going to talk about Birthright. Let's talk about Birthright. Birthright actually was a two-parter, and the first part, I think, was probably 80% more talking about what was going on on the Enterprise, and the second part was more about what was going on with Worf. It was really a D Space Nine crossover episode. It was a it was a TNG episode. Okay, but it was right. but they had docked at DS Nine. Yes, and so there was this whole piece of data seeing his father and that whole thing and his vision quest. Right, I remember. You, yeah, and then you got Worf who hooks up with this uh, Viridian dude or something, and he thought that he had seen. He has, maybe he had seen his father at this prison camp, this remote prison camp that was being run by Romulans. Right. This is where he gets this idea that there's these Klingons being held out there. And that maybe his dad is part of it. So Worf goes. <clears throat> I think he takes a runabout. He goes and kind of gets captured. You just captured. sort of take those out, you know, whatever you feel like. In a deep yeah, I guess you can just, you know. sort of like, I'm signing this out. <laughs> I wonder how many they must have a lot of runabouts because yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. But um, so he somebody goes, out there actually probably knows what that is and has counted the ones that have been destroyed, <laughs> taken off on planets, and left there. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure, or left in a. So he goes off to this to this Klingon prison, basically. Right, and his and with his thought, he's or, in a, or he's a, in a pri- our prison of Klingons. That, yeah, that it's a, been prison, a Klingon prison camp, right? Right. So he goes there and. You know, he actually gets captured, but they his goal is to capture them. Well, when he finally meets these people, he actually sees this girl, and he's like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> and, uh, they grunt at each other. They grunt at each other. But then he finds out that she's half Romulan. Oh. And so as he's there, what he learns is that, well, yeah, they were prisoners at first, but then... It's been so long. It's been man. so long that the Romulans and the, and the Klingons have come to an understanding, and now there have been there's been a lot of crossbreeding, and so this girl that he really likes is half Romulan. Right. You know, she looks totally Klingon until he sees through her hair she's that she has pointed, pointed ear. ears. Yeah. Um, and so the head, so you got, and, and she's the, her father is the head Romulan guy. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, but then there's this other, uh, another um, Klingon who's sort of like the, the agitator who wants us to follow the old ways. And, and he sings and a song. He sings an awesome song, which I think you have a clip of, right? Right, right. We're going to play that here for you. Uh, it's uh, he's sort of a, a sort of kind of traditionally, you know, another great warrior Klingon song to get everyone kind of riled up and get their blood going. And and Worf, and Worf feeds, he, he, he likes that. He wants to feed that. So he's, yes. he's teaching them more about their Klingon heritage, even though sort of the elder Klingon is telling them, stop, 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 stop. Because yeah. if, if you rile up their blood, it's going to ruin this piece that we've built right. with the Romulans. So you've got that trade-off, exactly. And, and it's, you know, it's a very interesting episode, I think, because Klingon, or Worf has always been this sort of outcast Klingon. And now here he, the outcast, is trying to teach these other outcasts. who The are mainstream. Even, yeah, exactly. Well, I guess I'm a little more Klingon than you guys are even. So here's the uh, this song from uh, Birthright. Bada tumor. Fire streaks the heavens. Shoja Duro. Battle has begun. Bada tumor. Shoja duro, yaja ke o, yaja ke o, 
that song in fact um when that when that show aired i liked that song so much i recorded it on my computer and i made it my startup song on my <laughs> pc at work so yeah my boss comes in my office and he's and he's like what in the world i said i'm gonna be running this organization a little bit differently now Tom. yes <laughs> we're going to battle kapla kapla all right, so that ends our, our very brief uh, look at uh, TNG and some of the highlights from some of the various Klingon and Worf-centric episodes. Of course, there's a lot more we could have talked about, just a lot of other episodes. Things like New Ground, Ethics, Rightful Air, Firstborn, The Emissary, you know, just lots of great start stuff. Stuff, that's what I'm trying to say. Heart of Glory, A Matter of Honor. I mean, there's just a ton, you know, TNG really created a, a, a very rich Klingon culture and, and fleshed out Worf's character probably in a way more than, than a, a lot of the other characters even on the show, you know, more than Dr. Crusher, more than maybe Jordy. I mean, did we ever even see Jordy's parents ever that I remember, or brother or sister? I mean, we were talking about that earlier. I don't think, I don't know if we have seen... I think he mentions them a few times, but I, my point... Oh, no, we did see his mother... Do we? I thought we saw his mother and maybe his father, because his mother. Remember, his mother got killed, right? And then they went to that planet, and he started having hallucinations, thinking that yeah, this they have a lot of bad, you know, uh, a lot of bad family history for most of the people in Trek. (laughs) You know, usually their their brothers or their families have died in some terrible way. They don't just like live old and. They're up on like a cabin on a hill somewhere, living a good life. But uh, anyway, so they you know they fleshed out Worf quite a bit, which, which was interesting, and and, and uh, that continued over into when he shows up finally on Deep Space Nine in the. Uh, I think this was a two-parter start of season four, season four. yeah, the Way of the Warrior or Way of the Warrior, uh, which which introduces Michael Dorn playing Worf on Deep Space Nine, which which I thought was just a great a great addition to you know an already very strong cast and uh, and i think fit in well with that series maybe uh in a way almost because it was kind of a grittier series and i think that he, he worked well there well it was yeah these Space Nine was definitely a much darker series and right. i think that's what burma was going for um which gives you a lot we more don't say that to name loud, out loud you know, i'm sorry like Voldemort, you know. Burma, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he shall not be named yeah um now, this wasn't the first Klingon episode in DS9. The very first one was Blood Oath. But that was really more yeah. of a Jadzia episode where they first introduced Core, right. King, and Kolov. And I've, I've done a podcast about that one, yeah. so we're, we're going to sort of slide over that one a bit. But yeah, War of the Warrior, you know, the big thing with that episode was the introduction of the Klingons into the whole Dominion yes. conflict. 
You right, know, they're, they're a little jittery. You know, the Klingons—they may be tough warriors, but but when these Dominion people show up, they get a little worried that, uh, especially when they realize these changelings can look like anyone they want to look like, even like Klingon warriors, and that they don't like that. Yeah, and even later on, in the, later on, we find out that Garon gets replaced. Yes, but right, not yet. In his eyes. <laughs> I must have taken a lot of extra work on the changelings part yeah. to get so the you've eyes got, right. Yeah, uh, so you've got a clip from this one, right? From Way of the Warrior? Yeah, this clip is a little bit into um, the episode. You know, it kind of starts off where um, Martok shows up at the station. Right. And it looks like it's only him. And he wants sure leave. And then once Kisso grants it, 25 other... Birds of prey decloak around the station, so yeah. they're like, oh, yeah. "Okay, Surely what's for the me deal? and all my friends?" Right now, see what he should have done—the Kirk thing, yeah. only twelve at a time. But yes. he didn't do that. Um, so he, you know, the Klingons are disrupting the station. They're having fights in Quarks. They're being Klingons. They're yeah. being Klingons. Yeah, you know, they beat uh, they beat up my man Garrick. You know, yes. not, not a good thing. So he, so Cisco decides to bring. I guess Curzon said, the only way you can deal with Klingons is with another Klingon. So they bring Worf to the station. Yes. And basically, Cisco says, Leno, we need to figure out what's going on. This has got this more going on here than we know. And so, yeah. um, so, so Worf goes out. So there's a conversation here between the, in the clip between Martok and Martok, Worf. Worf, and Cisco. After okay. Worf has figured out what their real objective is here. Okay, here's the clip. General, I want you to call up this attack. And what do you propose we do instead? Stand by and allow the Dominion to take over the Alpha Quadrant? You have no proof that there are any founders on Cardassia. The change in government is all the proof we need. And what if you are wrong? That would be unfortunate for the Cardassians. General, the Federation Council has made it clear to me that they cannot support your plans to attack Cardassia. Are you saying the Federation will sit back and do nothing? While Klingon soldiers give their lives to protect the Alpha Quadrant? Starfleet will not participate in an unprovoked invasion. Then the victory will be ours, alone. General, I would advise you to reconsider. The Federation Council has informed Gauron that if the attack goes forward, it will jeopardize our treaty with the Klingon Empire. Believe me, Captain, we have no wish to antagonize your people. Then call off the attack. I will consult with Gauron. You will have his decision within the hour. So, you know, at this point, we know, you know, it's clear Martok's not going to, they're not going to say anything. Right. When he goes back to his ship, next thing you know, the whole fleet cloaks and leaves. Yes. You know, so they're like, okay, now that we know the Federation knows, we're doing what we came to do. So they go and... Um, and this starts a little bit of a problem, really. I mean, this is, what, you know, the up till this point, the Federation and the Klingons have been pretty much allies right. and, and, and been friends that started way back in Star Trek VI, the undiscovered country, a little bit. And now, because of this Dominion threat, they, they're, they're not really going along with what the Federation wants to do. So Well, and this is true Klingon fashion, shoot first. Ask later. Yep, yep. You know, they think there's something wrong with Kardashian. They think Kardashian is being run by the Dominion, sort of 
surreptitiously. Yes, very Which, good. in fact, we find out is the case, but we don't know that for sure at this point. So they're like, well, we'll just take over Cardassia, and then we'll solve that problem. Yep. Um, so, so now and the we Federation have to, is not happy about that. So. No. I mean, they, they're going to say, you know, at this point, you know, are the Kinemura Corps going to be in danger? Yeah. Um, and, and again, you have the same thing again here happening with poor old Worf. You know, he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. He, he he's, wants to be a good part of the Starfleet and a good officer and all that, but he's still a Klingon. And here they bring him in as sort of this go-between and, and also to learn about the Klingons and to give them a little bit of insight. And he, and he's, he's, he's really stuck. But, of course, he meets Jadzia, and we're going to talk about that here uh, as we go the the next episode though sort of Kalis, well this is involving Jadzia also because they go off I've done a podcast about this one but we do have a clip uh, we get to see our old friend Kor from way back uh, also played by the same actor and this is a clip from the early part of the episode where Kor I think is in Quark's bar talking about yeah his, he, he's mouthing his, off <laughs> his his you know great deeds of the past and, and all of this and and this 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 quest that he he's going to be going on right core hmm? i have someone i'd like you to meet oh i'd like you to meet our strategic operations officer commander Worf. oh Worf, the traitor the pariah the lowest of the low it's a pleasure to meet you any enemy of Gowron and the High Council is a friend of mine. This is a great honor. Oh, no doubt. Worf is a great admirer of yours. Huh? Yes, please. <laughs> I have heard stories about you since I was a child. Your confrontation with Kirk on Ardania, <laughs> your attack on Romulus, your defense of the Karma Pass. Everything I have done pales in comparison to what I am about to achieve. I am on a quest, a quest for the most revered icon in Klingon history. Kor. An icon that predates the Klingon Empire. An icon more sacred than the Torch of Gabok. Kor. More revered than Sabak's armor. And more coveted than the Emperor's crown. The Sword of Kalos. You told me not to tell anybody. He guessed. I know where the sword rests. Think of the glory, the honor of finding the battle of the first warrior king. Yeah, so they go off on this quest. They find this sword, this legendary, that's supposed to, uh, you know, in, in lore, give them this amazing amount of power and, and dominion over the Klingons, like the like the Ring of Power in, in uh, Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, you know, they kind of... My precious sword, and they, <laughs> they get a little bloodlust for it. Yeah, I mean, a wharf almost lets the guy fall off a cliff. Yes. I mean, you know, yeah. so you're thinking, geez, you know, get a grip, people. But at the end... It you is know, a cool prop, you know. It is a cool prop. Yes. It was a cool prop. And, you know, but I love the fact that, J- that Jadzia has to... Basically, has to, has to stun both of them yes. to try to get them to come to their senses, and then they actually beam it into space. Yeah, they decide that it's 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 not meant to be found at this point in time. Toss it into Mountain Doom, you know, throw it out into space, and, <laughs> and then it goes on. No one uh, lost their fingers, though. No, no fingers lost here. No, you know, although with those blades, they always you know swing around. I always wonder why they don't get a little more nicked. You know, with uh, <laughs> I think I think basically with those bat liths and stuff, you either die. 
or you're fine. It's or you're like, good. There's yeah. no little. Well, actually, no. Worf gets gets he gets stabbed a few times, doesn't he? And doesn't die, right? A couple of yeah, fights. Yeah, but not and by. Stuff. A, I don't think with a batleth though. Just a little. Just with the the, 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 ta- the tongue or, or whatever that other one is with yeah. the three blades. Yeah. The cut Luke. My Klingon is not as good, so. Next up, uh, we want to do... I, I've got one from You Are Cordially Invited. We're going to do that real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to talk about that. Cause yeah. you gotta, you got to love a Klingon wedding, man. Yeah, Klingon wedding. You know, this... It, it was... It was nice. I mean, talk about, you know, very odd situation, though. You have Jadzia, who we slowly learn after Worf all of a sudden pops up on Deep Space Nine that she has this rich history with the Klingons, especially when she was uh, as Curzon, right? As Curzon yep. Dax. Yep. And she sort of had this blood oath, and this eventually allows her to get, grow closer to Worf, being another Klingon, and, and that she's like she likes Klingons, and they get together and get married. And uh, and I've got a clip here to play. Uh, part of the ceremony is 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 real interesting. I like the way they do this, and it's uh, it's you. It's from the episode you are cordially invited, and it is. I think this was a season five or so. Let's we'll look that up. Anyway, here we go with uh, part of the wharf at Jedzia wedding. Fire and steel did the gods forge the Klingon heart. So fiercely did it beat, so loud was the sound, that the gods cried out, On this day we have brought forth the strongest heart in all the heavens. None can stand before it without trembling at its strength. But then the Klingon heart weakened. Its steady rhythm faltered, and the gods said, Why have you weakened so? We have made you the strongest in all of creation. And the heart said, I am alone. And the gods knew that they had erred, so they went back to their forge and brought forth another heart. Yeah, so that that woman there, Rich, is 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 actually Martok's wife. That's doing the like the ceremony, right? For uh, for that yeah. episode, which is in season six. We 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 looked that up. I, right, which makes more sense now. And I think it's cool. You know, I mean, again, we talked about females in the Klingon Empire of having some that being some importance. power, and yeah, they're not yeah. they're not really because she's running that. She's running that. You know, she's running that that ceremony, not Martok. Right. Right. You know, so that was pretty cool. Yes. And then we, you know, unfortunately, Jedzia, you know, they get married, and by the end of the season, she's dead. <laughs> but he has revenge again, eventually. Oh, yes. Revenge is sweet. But, it's also best served cold. Yes. Well, actually, he doesn't really have revenge on what happens to, to her because it's, uh, it's what's well, his actually, name? Actually, Cisco it's, it's, actually is the yeah, one that gets the revenge. It, it's, it's crazy, what's his name? Ducat, right? Ducat, yep. yeah. But uh, another, uh, so some of the other episodes, Rich, we were going to cover, but we're cutting for time a little bit. Well, there, you know, there's so many in DS9. Um, we're not really talking about the Trials and Tribulations episode where they actually went back in time. And Right. I podcasted about that one anyway for, yeah, the, for and the, the whole. And that was so cool just because it won an Emmy for the special effects yes, for great. making that work. Fun, fun episode, especially for original series fans. Then you got your Soldiers of the Empire episode. Yep. Um, Sons and Daughters. And then you have tacking into the wind, um, but 
you know, we 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 would be talking for a long time if we went through yeah. all of those episodes. Well, and, and the nice thing I think that I liked a lot about the Klingons in DS Nine, and then we'll get into Voyager, but they they really helped quite a bit in the whole Dominion War. Eventually, you know, they came together. We, we you know we. we the alliances were sort of reforged and with, you know, their help and the Romulans and, you know, everybody else and every little ship they could find, you know, they, you know, we won, beat the, beat those Dominion guys away. So that was a cool battle. Oh yeah. I mean, they had a lot. I mean, the last few seasons and some people wouldn't, weren't really that fond of this. I know people that didn't think that there should be such an emphasis on war and military in, in Star Trek, but I, 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 I thought that it was okay, considering how many episodes and how many series we've had for for all that time to have a few seasons sort of relate to that. And even in those seasons, it wasn't like every episode was, you know, some, you know, battlefield, you know, Earth scenario where there was a big fight going on. But they did have some cool battles. Yep. All right, next up, Voyager. And we've got a couple I think we're just going to do, and, the, you know, the... The biggest thing, I guess, about Voyager was we had Balana Torres as a half-Klingon. Her father was human. Her mother was Klingon, correct? I got that right? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I was practicing earlier. I, <laughs> no, I, I pretty much knew that. I don't know what it is. I, it, it just seems like that's the way they would do it, you know, and I, for some reason. I'm, I'm not sure why, but her father was a Starfleet officer and met up with some Klingon. And we had Balana Torres, who was interesting because unlike Worf, who always was working to restore his Klingon honor and his heritage and all of that, she fought that. She she didn't like it. Right. Well, I think her father, I mean, her, her mother was such, her mother was so pro-Klingon. I think, you it know. It put her like, off a it, bit. It put her off. Plus, <coughs> I think the big thing with her was her mother <coughs> kind of drove her dad away. Okay, right. Because she was so pro-Klingon. <laughs> I wanted to do all the rituals. I gotta yeah. take a drink. Of yeah, my get a head. drink. It's okay. I, I know what podcasting's like. I'm sucking down some uh, Gatorade too. But the uh, I got my serum mist, so yeah. just so we're letting the audience know. Beers later. Um, anyway, yeah, it, it's it's interesting, and I I like Belana's character. I like the fact you know she was in a way sort of Spock like on the show, where she's got this very emotional Klingon side to her, sort of very heated. And, and that got her into a lot of trouble a lot of time. You know, she would she would get into trouble. There was even uh, that episode, uh, Blood Fever. I love the episode. I did a podcast about it where they split into into two parts. Yeah. You know, where she was... But then, this... but then she actually got to be able to appreciate having the Klingon part. Yes. Because she didn't want to be that scared little girl. And it's, a, not... it's a classic. Yeah. It's like Enemy Within. And, yeah, the, uh, whole, the whole Kirk... Yeah, the, when they split apart. Yeah, they even did a. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched this Legend of the Seeker uh, TV series, this fantasy that. series. But a quick aside. But there was a couple of episodes back where on that uh, Kalen on that one, they go through this sort of magical teleportation situation. You know, just like the transporter on on Star Trek, mm-hmm. and she gets split into two parts in this, where she's sort of like the good and the nice side, and then the sort of other side of it. The, the logical and the whatever and uh, it, you know they I like those kind of episodes because people always get to realize that you can't be all one way or the other that it's a blending that that really works so yeah so which is the first we want to cover here uh, which well, one let's go for let's go for the barge of the dead okay because that one was Stovacor, the first time. right Stovacor get... and 
um, the Klingon Hell, the Klingon Hell, <laughs> yes. which is Grethor. Yes. And I like this because this is the first time we we've heard Stovakov before. We've never heard the other side. Yes. Of their spiritual They're always happy mythos. about getting to Stovacor, but, yeah. but what so about there's that? A, there's a dark side to that, too. Yeah. And so we find out that her mother is going to Grethor because her mother did not successfully raise Balana right. as a Klingon. Right. You know, so, you know. So I, I and she I sort of ends up having to sort of forgive her for it, right? She sort of is, is the way it works, I think. Yeah, it's, it kind of starts off, the whole episode kind of starts off, and you think, oh, this is a weird artifact, and now Valana's having this weird reaction to it. Yeah. But the whole thing, she was in a coma. Right. You know, the whole thing was just sort of a figment of her imagination. All right, we've got a clip to play for you. Here is some of Barge of the Dead. I'm here to take my mother's place. Anna! You wish to claim her dishonor as your own? Yes, you're willing to die for her? Yes. Release her to Stovacor. No! Keep her quiet! Silence! It's not your decision. She has the right to reclaim your honor. Once we've reached Grethor and you are within its gates, I will release her. No. Now. <laughs> You're very impatient. Time must be slipping away in the living world. You're concerned that your friends will revive you before you complete your deception. Did you really think I could be fooled so easily? I will die for her. No tricks, no games. I will take her place honorably. Like a Klingon. If you choose this path, your friends will not be able to save you. I understand. So she's in this hellish place, and she's trying to restore her mother's honor there. That's that clip is towards the end of the episode, right? Yeah, like the last third where she get they actually induce the effects of her being in that shuttle, right? So that she has that death experience again. Yeah, it's um, like that uh, Flatliners movie. Yeah, I want to go back. I want to go back and see what's, yeah. what's going on there and uh, and yeah. try to try to help my mother in the afterlife. Yes. So I think it's interesting, you know, that she, I mean, she's made the decision, you know, I'm going, it's almost like she's embracing, again, more of her heritage. Yeah. As we talked about, Balana over the course of the seven years is slowly embracing more and more of her Klingon heritage. Yeah, she she starts out at the, you know early on, not to you know she fights it, she doesn't like it, and and then she slowly is accepting of it to to you know and uses what she can from it. Exactly. So yeah. you know, and that's good. I mean, there, we all have our personal journeys, and this is really yeah. Alana's personal journey towards you know under, being not just being fully Klingon, but being comfortable being both. Yes. Um, you know, and, and when, so when she, her daughter finally is born, right. you know, she's, and I know that we, there's an episode we're not going to cover where she was, you know, talking to the doctor whether she could remove the ridges from her daughter. Right. And, and they decide not to do that at the end. Again, that's that, yeah. to me, that final acceptance of who I am. Right. And they, you know, leading into that, though, that we get, we get to the next episode we were going to cover from Voyager, another, you know, obviously a Balana type episode involving 
uh, her unborn baby. You know, eventually she becomes uh, the wife of Tom Paris, which is really funny because, you know, the last person probably on Voyager <laughs> you'd expect her to go along with, he's this sort of, you know, carefree, happy-go-lucky, you know, helmsman. Not following the rules. Yeah, he, he's a little, you know, she calls him, uh, or she calls Harry Starfleet. She, she calls yeah. Harry Starfleet all the time, right, at the early, yep. you know, because she's part of the Maquis. But uh, but anyway, she en- ends up being married and, and uh, hooks up with Tom Paris, they eventually then uh, she's with with child. She's going to have a baby, a baby girl, and then they run into these Klingons out there in the Delta Quadrant, right? That mm-hmm. that who think that this this Klingon, really only half Klingon woman, is with with this this prophetic or if that's the right word to use or this prophecy Klingon baby, which they call what what's the name? Or they give it. Oh, they say it in this clip I'm going to play. Yeah, it's in the clip. (laughs) It's in the clip, like they say on those talk shows. Listen to the clip. (laughs) Listen to the clip. Here you go. You honor us with your presence. Look at her ridges. Monarch was right. Your blood is not pure. No. My father was human. Couldn't you see this for yourself? Yes, but... Why didn't you tell us? It wasn't important. Not important. We destroyed our ship because you said she was the mother of the Kuvamach. Show me where it's written that the Kuvamach must have pure Klingon blood. The prophecy wouldn't lead us to a mongrel child! Hey, take it easy. Who are you? The father of that mongrel child. More human blood! Your Kuvamach isn't even half Klingon. I've spent my life interpreting the scrolls. And I say that all the signs of the prophecy are here. Liar. You've led us to a false savior. So the the this is Kuvat Mak is the is the Kuvamach. Yeah, is the this child that's supposed to sort of what? Like unite the Klingons, right? Uh, yep. Sort of the new Kalis, sort of like the second coming of Kalis in a way. Correct. And and she's uh the fact that she's only half Klingon is a little bit of an issue, but they sort of get past that eventually and they're Well the whole, yeah, I mean the, once once the captain of the ship sees her and says, oh, this must be the Kovamach, then they destroy their ship. Yes. So that Voyager must bring all the 200 and something Klingons onto Voyager. Yeah. So now, you know, this this guy is a little upset. You know, uh, <laughs> we got no ship, and this is not the Kovamach, so what are we going to do? But, you know, at the end, though, it's really cool the way they, they, they resolve it, because th- this clip really is the essence of the conflict and the angst of this whole episode. Yes. And this guy ends up, first ends up fighting Tom Paris. Then we find out that because of the fight, we find out they've got this disease. And then they then they find out that Bellana has now gotten the disease and the baby's gotten the disease. But yes. our doctor is awesome and yes. he figures out how to use some of the baby's DNA to create 
the cure, cure for it, and then right. they cure all of the Klingons. And yes. as a result, this guy now he believes believes because yeah. the prophecy said that the Kavamaj Can, cannot be would not you know doesn't get doesn't isn't susceptible to diseases or anything like that. Right, and and he saved your lives basically. Yep. He's he's already not or, or sorry, I shouldn't say he always is it's right. a she, she, it's a girl. They, you know, this 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 girl, this baby before she is even born saves them all. So it's like, hey, that's got to be their Klingon messiah because that's pretty good. So And now we have a Klingon comparable world to Kronos in the Delta Quadrant. Yes. You know, on a permanent colony there yeah. of people who are happy with the Federation. So that's got to be a good thing, too. Yeah, and maybe they'll, uh, we were talking at one point, I think, when we weren't recording about, you know, it'd be nice, or maybe we did record a little bit of it, of, you know, following up on some of these little things that have always been thrown out there. The sort oh, yeah. of Kalis floating out in space and, you know, this and this other thing and, you know, but... Yeah, maybe someday we'll get another Trek series and we'll be able to see some of that stuff come back. Maybe the Sword of Kalos will float through the wormhole <laughs> and end up at DS9. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, we, we got to uh, quickly uh, go on to Enterprise. You know, there were other episodes, Day of Honor, Lineage, uh, you know. For, anyway, Blood I think Fever. It, yeah, we already so. mentioned that maybe. Mm-hmm. Or, or There were others from uh, Voyager uh, that were very Klingon uh, episodes in Balana episodes that we would have loved to have covered but we're trying to wrap it up here with with enterprise and two episodes i think we're just going to cover from enterprise broken bow which was the pilot and then divergence and, and the big thing about enterprise that they tried to tell us which we'll get into in more in divergence was what's up with these klingon ridges and why do they have them and then they don't have them and then they don't have or whatever you know they didn't have them in the original series but they got to the movies and then they had them and then later they don't and whatever so uh, but Broken Bow, the you know the the pilot of, of Enterprise, the big thing that happens there is a Klingon ship crashes on Earth, and that sets the stage for this sort of uneasy situation between the Klingons and the Vulcans are involved, and the humans, the the the, uh, the people at Starfleet, they you know the Enterprise is launched, the NX01 Enterprise with Captain Archer to take this Klingon back to. Chronos and uh, oh, <laughs> they have to also figure out how he, you know, his uh, speech. So you get a lot of Klingon in this episode, and I think we've got uh, a couple of clips. I'll play this one for you, and uh, we'll be right back. Come in. This confirms that I was transferred to your command at 0800 hours, reporting for duty. Is there a problem? No, sir. Oh, I forgot. Vulcan females have a heightened sense of smell. I hope Porthos isn't too offensive to you. I've been trained to tolerate offensive situations. I took a shower this morning. How about you, Captain? I'm sorry. This is Commander Charles Tucker III, Subcommander Paul. Trip. I'm called Trip. I'll try to remember that. All right, so that that just kind of introduces to Paul. So not a lot of Klingon in that clip itself, but we've got one other clip here, right, Rich? Yeah, this one actually is from the sort of the end of the episode, where they finally take Klang, who's the Klingon who crashed on Earth, right, back to the Klingon Empire down in the cornfield, gets shot at, you know. That's right, by the Sulaban, and, yeah. and he blows Sulaban up, which was awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, they bring him back to uh, 
to to uh, Klingon, to Kronos. Well, me, God, Something about disgracing the Empire. He says he's ready to die. Puck. The nice thing I liked about this first Enterprise episode, Broken Bow, is they don't really have a good, like, real sophisticated universal translator going. They don't have Klingons walking around speaking, you know. English. Yes. <laughs> common whatever Federation tongue that they always. So you get in Hoshi's there struggling, trying to learn, you know, what they're saying and things. And it's got some good moments in it and and, and a lot of uh, interesting things. The Klingons don't figure real prominently in Enterprise, but they do a little bit towards later in the series. In the last season, I believe it is, is um, Divergence is a big episode because here we're going to learn that there is a... Is it is it just a disease, or they were trying to basically create sort of a superior Klingon? Isn't that the way it starts? I believe. Yeah, well, the, you know, like the Klingon a, Empire they they saw and they read about Soon's aug- human augments, right? And they thought, well, gee, you know, we can improve ourselves in much the same way. Even though the whole eugenics thing and the that all that stuff on Earth didn't go so well, the Klingons figure they can do it better. Of course they can. And uh, <laughs> and they can create a superior Klingon warrior who's, you know, stronger, faster, you know, $6 million man Klingon, right? Right. And so, of course, they try. Problem is that the doctor who was working on this didn't know that one of his persons had... A virus, ah. and so when he was injecting them with the serum, that's right. Yeah, the virus was an air, it's an airborne virus, kind of mutated, kind of mutated a little bit. Whoops. And all the human aspects of the augments came out. Right. And so, in addition to getting strength and agility and all the cool things they wanted, it also made them look a lot more human. Yes. Um, and. And to hear them talk about it, it also sort of opened up some emotions that they don't like. Like it made them more susceptible to fear and some other things of that nature. Right. So, you know, this episode starts off with, you know, their sabotage on the on the ship so that these Klingons can, can get this information, blah, blah, blah. Then, and then they steal flocks because... They figure flocks can make this work. Right. He's gonna he's gonna fix it he's all. He's gonna for fix the problem, and, and, and then uh, yeah, really and then, fast. <laughs> yeah. And now we have good aug- augments, and we're gonna be able to destroy everything and take over the whole galaxy. And we've got uh, a clip, right? Uh, at least at least uh, one clip to play. Oh yeah, we definitely have a clip to play. Um, I, I think let's play. Hmm. Oh, there's so many possible options here. Um, Let's play the one where they make a report about the augment. 
Okay, we'll play that one and we'll be right back. The humans could not stop us. I am your superior. You will salute. Now, report. Enterprise was destroyed. Starfleet will think it was her engines. One of you is missing. Your son was slow. The humans killed him. Did he die with honor? He let humans kill him. So there we get some information about the augments in that last clip, right, Rick? Yeah, because um, basically the augments who who escape from Enterprise and come back to this g- genetic you know, station right. wherever they're working. The evil lab. The evil lab. Yeah. Um, you know, they're reporting back to their commander, you know, what happened, what they did. And at the same time, the doctor, the, the Klingon doctor is working with Phlox and what what the commander doesn't know is that they decided to figure out a cure to prevent this virus from going to stage two where right. then they're going to die. Right. So rather than fixing the virus so that they will keep their augmentative abilities, the cure is going to Just, prevent that yeah. from happening. Right. You know? and, but unfortunately, the physical changes will remain. Right. And that uh, you've got one more clip here from this episode to play, and we'll be back in a second. Captain Starlog Supplemental, Admiral Krell has convinced the High Council to call off their sterilization program. They promised to distribute Phlox's cure throughout the Empire. There's no trace of the virus in your bloodstream. My Targ won't even recognize me. In the future, it may be possible to reverse the... uh cosmetic effects. I suppose this is what I deserve. Millions of my people will have to live with this disfigurement. It'll be passed on to our children. Life won't be easy for us. You did your best to correct your mistakes. That's all we can ask of ourselves. I doubt my superiors will allow me to remain in my position. Yeah, so so this... This is the, you know, the Enterprise series' attempt at explaining the whole original series, Klingons looking more human-like, and the later Klingons looking, you know, with the ridges and the, and the brow and all that. This disease is what, you know, was, was part of This was the trigger that, that yes. started the whole thing in the Enterprise was, okay, now they tried to make augments. That didn't work. They messed it up. Now they've got millions of Klingons who look humanoid. Yes. And in this clip, we heard Flock saying, well, you know, maybe now this is, you know, this might take you to a step where you could reverse the effects. The physical part. The physical part. So so clearly, they didn't get to that point during the period of the original series. Right. So all through the original series, they looked humanoid. Yeah. And then in that gap between 1967... (laughs) And TNG and what was that? Was that uh, or the movie? Yeah, or, 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 the, or, or yeah, or the motion picture, which right. was like nineteen eighty, yeah, something. That they figured out a way 
to reverse it. I also had always sort of thought in the back of my head that maybe you had some Klingons that had been fixed or or been modified because they make this thing about almost like cosmetic surgery. Like we could give you the real Klingon look back. Yeah, yeah reconstructive surgery. Reconstructive surgery so that maybe even when you're seeing, seeing a Klingon with ridges and all that, he hasn't really been, the disease hasn't been totally fixed on him. It may just be cosmetic. You know, because how many times in Trek history have they made the the crew of the Enterprise look like Romulans or, or Klingons, and they do it, like, almost instantly, so. Well, I wonder also, because one of the comments that we, we, we kind of start, started off the podcast talking about, that when you know, the Klingon Empire really did have a multi-cast Right. System. You right. Know, they were warrior cast and there were other casts as well. So I wonder if the warrior cast were the ones that were really affected because they or were the, the ones, ones that, that were on event- the ships. Maybe they were the ones that eventually were cured too completely. Right. You know, so that they were the pure, you know, more more Klingon Klingons. Well, you know, I'm well, I guess where I was going with that was perhaps given that there are certainly other there are other Klingon worlds other than Kronos. Right. That what they might have done is said, fine, we're going to quarantine Kronos. Yeah. Because that might have been where more of the warrior cast was. Sure. And the other planets, they could have used those as source material for original Klingon DNA that had not been tainted yeah. by the virus. And they may have used those as source material to figure out eventually how to develop the the cure. It, it, it's kind of nice that they at least attempted to to try to, to address it to address this whole thing, which really it came down to '60s TV and and the budgets that they had to do makeup back or then. Lack it, of budget, yeah. Or, right. Well, the the limited, yeah. They, you know, they they have these aliens, these Klingons that basically look like they just guys didn't like shave for a while, and you know maybe <laughs> we're out in the sun a little bit more versus what we saw when we got to the movies and then TNG and all that with these funny foreheads and all, all but they tried to say hey these guys were messing with the genetics didn't quite work out there was the mutation and all that so so there you go that that uh, that does our you know there's other episodes of Enterprise that involved the Klingons too you know Affliction was another one there were a couple others but you know we're trying to wrap up the podcast try to keep us under <laughs> this could be one of the longest ones but I think we've uh, We've had a good time covering, uh, you know, one of our favorite, you know, alien races in in Star Trek. I mean, I think there's just about everyone who enjoys Star Trek enjoys the Klingons, wouldn't you say? And uh, well, you own your own Batlith, don't you? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> I uh, I found it sort of by accident. I was, you know, on the web looking around for stuff, and I found this company that makes specialized swords. Uh-huh. So it's not a prop. It's actually a real batleth. I mean, so it's don't don't mess around with with Rich when you you know don't try to mug him or anything. Yeah, so. anybody that comes to my house in the middle of the night, they're gonna meet the batleth. It won't be like a baseball bat like they always pull out in TV and movies. <laughs> it won't. It'll be a batleth to the head. It'll be a batleth because my baseball bats are all signed by. Uh, oh players, yeah, you don't want to so do don't that. Mess with those. That's, that's too. No. Those are collectibles. But, you but know. Uh, no, I haven't. It's it's actually it's well it's it's very well balanced. Um, and that, when I bought it, they also gave me a book. A martial arts book, because they say basically to wield the batleth properly, you pretty much have to be a martial, you know, martial artist to specialize yeah. in swordplay. Huh. And um, cool, but it's very well balanced. It's very sharp. I can't my 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 son always wants he drools to... over it. I'm like, it's no, it's on the wall, and you can't <laughs> touch it. 
Yeah, it's uh, that's something that I've always wanted to just you know hang up in my basement of stuff too, but I haven't gotten around to it. I have the little bl- three bladed thing that uh, they made some of those a while back, and I got one of those. But um, anything else you want to say about the Klingons besides they're just cool? You know, they're you know, you go to any convention, you know, people that have been to Trek conventions or sci fi or Comic Con. There's always just a huge turnout of people in Klingon costumes. I mean, you put on some leather, you get some funky-looking head thing going, or just, you know, a beard or whatever. You don't even... Long hair or whatever. Although they did make it more complicated, I guess, when they gave everyone those ridges for, for makeup and for uh, costuming. But... Um, no, I it's, just it's, think, just it, great, it, it's just a great, it's just a great honorable society. Even though there's a lot of politics involved and a lot of infighting too, which is you know that's the way life is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, if you're really interested in learning learning the Klingon language, that conversation with Klingon, it's both an audio book and uh, an, an iPhone name, app. I think the guy's last name is o- Oakland. O- yeah, Mark o- Mark Oakland actually Broken. invented the entire language. Yeah. And uh, but you can actually go. I believe it's in Wisconsin. I'm going to take a look real quick. But there actually is a. You can go to Klingon camps. <laughs> you know, there's the. I shouldn't what, laugh. What's called the Klingon Language Institute is a real organization. Yeah, I think there's whole like college courses even. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but uh, it, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, there's even you know you, you read online about people that have like you know being a jedi is like a religion somewhere like down in australia and there are oh, people in, that in are, england also or in england jedi now language, too yeah. yeah so there there there's people that uh well they really like the klingons let's just say <laughs> so uh, I, i'm gonna wrap this up though rich i i, I just really want to say I, I appreciate you coming out here it's a beautiful rockford <laughs> i always laugh when i say that i don't know what i can say <laughs> well besides the fact that it's been kind of like raining this whole week and although the weather is getting nicer we are getting a little warm warmer i should say warmer. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it warm yet but it's warmer and the snow is pretty much gone so uh, but thanks for coming out here doing all the prep work and the clips and uh this is great we'll have to do this again sometime if i'm still here in a couple of months uh living in rockford living the dream and uh <laughs> <laughs> anytime yeah it's great this was a lot of fun and uh I, I will say, as I, and we put this on the forums about a month ago, I re, I, I'm really serious. I think that we as a group, we need to go to the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, August 5th through, is it 5th through the 9th, something like that? Yeah, well, um, we've got, we've got a, a thread going in the forum about that. There's some people that have already got their tickets. I am, uh, I mean, I'll even say on the podcast here, unless my job at the time prohibits me going, I will go. I, I'll, I'll say that, you know, I mean, I, I have no... You've heard it here, folks. I, I, I will go. I mean, those things really... The, the the nice thing about those versus, you know, Comic-Con... Comic-Con can become almost just crazy, and it can be almost... You can go to the Trek-Con, even though the tickets... They'll always have tickets pretty much at the door. And I won't wait that long and and try to get tickets, and we'll we'll get something more organized. But if you're interested, if you, even if you're not on the forum, you know, shoot me an email, and uh, but we will uh, we will definitely try to have as many of us there as possible. It's been a long time since I've been to a convention; they just haven't been around as much. We're going to have one in this area, like in Chicago, in, in October. In October, uh, but the Trek one in August in Vegas is big. It's it's the uh, you know the pretty much the annual biggest Trek convention. They have a lot of celebrities, uh, a lot of big names will be there, and uh, a lot of hopefully a lot of us from Treks and Sci-Fi. 
So yeah. uh, thanks a lot. Next week on Treks and Sci-Fi, I'm going to be covering sort of a little bit of a follow-up to this Klingon show. I'm going to look at uh, two episodes uh, from the fourth season. I think it's called Cold Station 12 and The Augments, which sort of leads into this situation of um, what the Klingons try to do with their augmenting their their species. And this is the ones, those are the episodes that guest star Brent Spiner as uh, the ancestor, I guess, of Dr. Soong for uh, Data. So that'll be next week on Treks and Sci-Fi. Thanks, everyone, for listening and downloading. And uh, just check out the website. And anything else, Rich? Kapla! <laughs> Kapla, everyone. <laughs> Enjoy the week. We will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi there, Rico and Rick. It's so cool that you're doing a Klingon episode, a whole Treks in Sci-Fi devoted to the Klingons. That's just way cool. I have a fondness for Klingons. I'm not exactly sure why I like them so much, but I do. I think they're really cool for a lot of different reasons. I just remember um, watching them in the um, the original series and thought they were kind of cool then. But when I went and saw Star Trek The Motion Picture when I was in the movie theater... And uh, they're out there in space, you know, with the big thing coming at them. And they flip into the, or they cut into the scene on the bridge of the Klingon battlecruiser. And those Klingons had cool ridges on their forehead and had the long hair and everything. And they looked like heavy metal rock stars. I was hooked. I thought they were so cool. And then as time went on, as the next generation came out and they explored, you know, they had Worf on there, who in the first few seasons was a wimp. But then he got cool and everything and he grew his, it seemed like the longer his hair got the more brave and awesome he became and uh you know just watching klingons and seeing the lore that they put in there and seeing their home world and then you know all the different episodes with Worf and his brother and about his dad and the son of moog you know and all that stuff it just really cemented uh that klingon lore inside me i just loved it and as time went on of course through all the seasons of of uh, all the different trek genres there were klingons not as much in Voyager, but in, in in all the rest of them, there was a lot of Klingon episodes, and I just loved it. Just very cool. What a rich, cool storyline behind the, behind them. And Anyway, just love Klingons. So I wrote a song. Well, I, I didn't write the song, but I did a parody of a Billy Idol song. Um, he You know, he does that White Wedding. Well, I had to, to do a little uh, spoof on uh, when Dax and Worf got married on Deep Space Nine uh, on the episode, You Are Cordially Invited. So this one is entitled... Worf's Wedding, right here on Treks and Sci-Fi. Thanks, guys. Thanks for covering Klingons. With fire and steel did the gods forge the Klingon heart. That the gods cried out, on this day you have brought forth the strongest heart in all the heavens. None Stand before it. Hey, Klingon warrior, what have you done? You ask that trill to be your only one. Hey, Alexander, let's do this before you leave your dad and Dax to Quark's bar in just a week. Hey, Klingon warrior, Batlev, it's a good day, day to die. A nice day for a warm wedding. It's a good day, day to die. Hey, cling 
Stone warrior, you can drink blood wine. Hey, Klingon warrior, God is best alive. Hey, Klingon warrior, disruptor, oh yeah. Hey, Klingon warrior, going just over court. Hey, Klingon warrior, badness. It's a good day, day to die. Come on, it's a nice day for a warp's wedding. It's a good day, day to die. Son of Morg, does your heart beat only for this woman? Yes. And will you swear to join with her and stand with her against all who oppose you? I swear. Jadzia, daughter of Kayla, does your heart beat only for this man? Yes. And do you swear to join with him and stand with him against all who would oppose you? There's nothing like my home world There's warrior things on my world And there's Tibia's claw on my world And there's Warnock on my home world Birds of prey are built on my world Day to day It's a Welcome to the house of Martok, my daughter. Hey, this is Rico. I just wanted to say thanks very much for my special guest this week, Rich Pete. And also for that great new musical selection by Rick Moyer. We'll be back next week with more Treks in Sci-Fi. See ya.